welcome to Growth. Episode number 7. Getting more done with less. I have this idea. And the idea is relatively simple. You can run pretty much any business from an iPad. I don't believe you. Unless with a <laughs> with the caveat that if you're obviously like an engineer, like if you're running a business and you're like the CTO and you're like doing all the coding, no. Sorry, you probably can't. I've seen people try to force it on like medium.com. Like, oh, you can kind of do it. I'm like, yeah, but it's going to take you twice the amount of time to get something done. It's irrelevant. Like, can you is one thing. Should you is another. And what are the trade-offs? What's interesting though is like when I started my Amazon business, I, I was in, well, actually the world was in this phase of digital nomad and like, you know, laptop, four hour work week lifestyle. I was like, yeah, that's cool. I want to do that. Um, and so when I started, obviously we, like we have physical products, right? So we have logistics. I made the decision to give up some profitability to continue working with a prep center so that I never saw or touched inventory. And what was actually cool. So I ran it obviously like from my laptop, which was cool. That doesn't really mean much these days because most laptops are relatively, you know, performant, right? Like you, you have a Mac, you're fine. Um, we're not doing crazy hardcore, you know, productivity from like a technical standpoint. Like I'm not like running up my CPU and stuff like that. Right. But I went on a trip to Paris for a week and I still had some work to get done. Now, because I'm a weirdo, I decided <laughs> I wanted to pack everything into a small weekender bag for an entire week and dress nice. Made it work, but I had to bring a laptop. I had to get something done. And back then, like I didn't have an iPad. iPads, this was years ago, were certainly not at a point where they are today. But I had a $250 Samsung Chromebook, right? Like basically the minimum I would need to get something done, like emails, stuff like that, right? What's great is I was able to run that business for that week from a $250 Chromebook. Now let's fast forward a handful of years, probably like five years now. My iPad Pro, not even like the brand new 2020, like I think I got this one last year. It's like the 11 inch, right? Like not a massive screen real estate. The amount of things I can actually get done on an iPad, predominantly an iPad Pro with a, a keyboard, because that's slightly important, is astounding. Like, listen, can you get some coding kind of stuff done on it? Yeah, you can actually, right? Like there's there's apps for Python um, and it's like a full IDE to a certain degree. Like it's ridiculously cool. But <clears throat> this is not a technical podcast. This is a business podcast. For most businesses, what are you really doing? You're communicating, you're making decisions, you're doing research, you're analyzing data. Okay, what, what applications do you typically use for that? Email. Spark, the email client I truly prefer, works on every device, including my iPad Pro and my phone, right? Research, well, most of the time I'm in Google Chrome anyways. It's ridiculous, right? And so I have this idea that, and I'm, I'm gonna test it um, for an entire week at some point. Now, I'm gonna give some caveats because this is not 100% by any stretch of the imagination. I'm saying we're like 80% of the way there. That last 20% is a very important critical piece, but, and I've done this a few times because I've actually taken my MacBook in for repair and they had it for like two days. So I was forced to do this, right? So I'm, I'm posted up at like a Starbucks. I've got my iPad pro. I'm answering support tickets. I can jump onto a zoom call, anything. I, I was able to really get done. And what's, what's so interesting is you would think that like the, the app switching, would be the big problem, right? Because I'm switching between apps all day, right? I got to switch over to Spark for emails, Slack for team communications, Zoom for voice calls, um, Chrome for actually interacting. But that wasn't a problem because I can I can command tab through everything. And what's cool, I've got Siri shortcuts. So some of the the macros that I run on my 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 MacBook Pro, some I can actually get done on the iPad now. We've talked about like keyboard maestro and how I geek out with that stuff. Absolutely not going to happen on an iPad for a long period of time. But Siri shortcuts get you pretty far. I mean, text manipulation, stuff like that. It's pretty awesome. Now, you got to be at a point where you set up the iPad for productivity, right? Like, so I don't have like everything on here. I don't have, it's not, it's not designed the way that I've, you know, chosen what applications to use for entertainment. 
It's not. It's actually designed for productivity. And I keep it. Like I'm literally looking at it over here. I keep it up because throughout the day, I will actually use it for specific tasks. That's pretty cool. Um, I don't know. I mean, I can trigger, this is pretty cool. I can trigger a Zapier automation using Siri shortcuts because they, they use webhooks, like an API. I can just hit one button, have something happen online that would have taken three, three steps, but now just takes me one click in Siri shortcuts. Every time I think about doing anything serious from an iPad, the biggest hurdle for me has always been how do I move things from one app to another? And admittedly, the iOS is not, they try, they mean well. Apple, they, the idea is there. <laughs> you can now tell. let me say, I'm a fanboy without a doubt. Like, so I am completely biased <laughs> in my views here. But okay, so you're saying copying and pasting, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's not ideal, but if you have a keyboard, there like using command, command left arrow, that's the entire line, and then command C. So like, what's what's super cool because I get that too. Is like how do I move things around? Like how do I interact with different applications? It's not that bad. Once you once you get comfortable using like you would use Command Q to copy and Command V to paste on a on a MacBook mm-hmm. or or just a Mac period that functionality still exists on an iPad. It's just I think it's it is different though. The more I think about it here on the spot, so I'm a I'm more of a, a diehard regular computer trademark user. Um, before we started recording, I was telling Dylan that I've. I'm still at the point where I'm trying to convince myself to just go back to a regular desktop computer and be done with it. Um, I, you know, I spent 99 and a half percent of my computing time at a desk. So I'm not the, not necessarily the target demo for moving all the way to an iPad. That said, I have two laptops, one for day job and one for everything else. So I haven't quite, I've, I haven't quite transitioned to this legit lifestyle that Dylan's prescribing, but I've also not totally changed to a desk. So I think for me, just thinking about it here in the moment, I, I, the first thing I immediately go to is would everything I'm doing now translate to an iPad? Like what, what tools do I use right now? Are those tools available on the iPad? Do they have the same functionality, the same sets of features? If not, how do I replicate that elsewhere? And then that's where I get lost. Because if I have to put in extra work to replicate something I'm losing by moving to an iPad, which is not is not to say working on an iPad is terrible. This is more of putting blame on the app developers for not having feature parity. So that's... sure. That's an entirely different discussion by itself, but like I'm sitting here now, I know that we could we could host this podcast on an iPad. I could edit this podcast on an iPad. Correct. I could publish this podcast on an iPad. Like this this particular activity we're doing, I don't need a laptop or a desktop to do it. Like that's that's awesome. Now, when I'm done with this, I would probably need a regular computer. So, for for most of what I do, I don't know if I could ever get back to an iPad. Uh, like I'm also thinking about uh, my day trading. I know a lot of the apps do have a lot of functionality, but they're not the same. They right. don't. They're still treated as second class citizens, more of you know, high level uh, approaches to a lot of things, which is great for if you're on the go or like in the typical uh, TD Ameritrade commercial. You're sitting at an airport waiting for your flight, and you got to check check the risk on this position and other bullshit that they talk about <laughs> um i just that just comes to mind because i just happened to see that commercial probably like 15 minutes ago before we started talking <laughs> i i immediately started thinking about an article from somebody well known in the the apple tech space uh federico vitici does that name sound oh, familiar? i love federico yeah yeah he he runs the adapt podcast which is basically like how do you do everything on an ipad it's so cool yes so we'll link that in the show notes also going to link an article from MacStories.net that he runs he he says a couple things that are that are really interesting one kind of parrots what what you said he said quote the tipping point came 
when I had to be hospitalized for three consecutive weeks for chemo treatments. In that time, he concluded that the portability and freedom granted by the iPad had become essential. So for him, it wasn't necessarily I'm bored out of my mind with my MacBook. He needed he needed more flexibility than what a laptop could offer him. And I mean, if 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 you're a MacBook owner, you know that they they are portable, sort of. But I mean, when it's encased in solid it's aluminum, it's not quite the same. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, even so, so here's a good example. So, so Federico in one of the the podcast episodes, because because I do listen to Adapt, which we'll link to. It's a really interesting podcast that is primarily how do you get X done on an iPad and the, the co-hosts there will challenge each other each week and be like, all right, I'm challenging you to do X, Y, or Z just on an iPad. And they have to figure it out. Like it's really cool. So they're really pushing these things, but he made a good point. Federico was pretty much like, listen, I basically run uh, Mac stories from an iPad, which is a business. And this is the important caveat here. There are tasks of which cannot be done effectively on an iPad, right? Like you mentioned day trading. Yeah, honestly, I I think day trading on an iPad would be completely wasteful. But that's also, if you're doing it at a high level, it's heavy processing too, right? So therefore, it doesn't make sense. And you might need four monitors if you're doing it full time, right? Because you need so much data pouring in, in which case it doesn't matter. Let's pull it back to just running a business. Again, no tech, you're just running the company. You're making decisions, you're doing communication, Um. I think generally speaking, those tasks are very low from a processing standpoint, meaning you don't need a high-end CPU. You don't need all this stuff, right? Like if I'm running blog posts for for Aura or for my personal site, Google Docs, done, right? WordPress has an app if I want to use it. I don't have to. Um, so there are there are tasks where, yes, you can get it done on an iPad. But like you mentioned, if the trade-offs or I have to find a workaround for like half of the things that I have to get done, it's now just not worth your time because now it's taking more time. And the whole point is not like, oh, it's novel and cool to work on an iPad. Therefore, everything should be done on an iPad only when it actually makes sense, right? And so for the majority of things, I I really can get done in my day-to-day, but I will give you a prime example. You're talking about in a lot of applications, things are considered, you know, second-class citizens, Intercom is a prime example. We use Intercom for support, and I still do all of our support day to day. Well, the Chrome one is fantastic. I've got keyboard shortcuts I can do if I would need to see if I need to send a, a saved response, right? Because I don't like to retype things every single time. I can do hashtag search for it, hit enter, it's there, and send it. Now, doing that on the iPad using the Intercom application, which you pretty much have to use, I have to click a button on the screen that says save responses, search for it. And here's what sucks. I I can customize it, but I can't like in that same field, make a quick change and then send it. So for me to get that same, you know, quick, let's say under a second saved response into a a ticket and sent, it now takes like five to six seconds because like maybe I need to change something and they're unique to the user. That now kind of does suck, but I can get it done. Now, if I have to choose on that specific task, do I want to do it on a a laptop or, or an iPad, it's going to be a laptop because I can just get it done so fast, right? Like I've got, I'm able to use more, you know, shortcuts specific to the application that I'm using. And I think that's lacking pretty heavily on an iPad. So what would you say to those who are, they're hearing this right now and they're thinking, well, I have, we'll just create a very specific subsection of the audience. I have a MacBook Air. It weighs two pounds and change. If the iPad, we'll just say the 11-inch iPad Pro and its smart keyboard dingus is roughly the same weight, why why should I bother? Yeah, I think it depends on the person, right? So one of the things that you mentioned too that Federico really enjoys is the portability, which I agree. Here's the thing. If you can get both, I would argue to get both because Sidecar is kind of (laughs) great. You know, so if, if I have to, to go away for a weekend, I'm a business owner, so I, I don't want to be away from being able to get something done if something does happen or something does come up. Previously, I would have to take my MacBook Pro. Now I can just basically throw in my iPad Pro, and it's way lighter, it's smaller, and I can get just the same amount of stuff done and be off to the races. So if I'm flying, if I'm traveling, do I really want to take you know this over that 
Yeah, I'm going to take the iPad, right? But the thing about it is you mentioned the, the MacBook Air. To be frank, you can get a lot done on the MacBook Air. But I would argue <laughs> that if those are your two choices, I'm honestly, and it's a weird thing to say, I'm leaning more towards more towards the iPad Pro. Now, it depends on the person. It, it depends on the person. If you're trying to start a business and portability, flexibility matters the most to you, I would probably rather take an iPad Pro. Now, if I'm like, oh, I just work from home, like I never travel, blah, 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 sure. Go ahead and get yourself, you know, a, a MacBook Air. But Airs are very restricted. Now, the newer versions, less so. But let's be honest. If you're starting a business, you're probably not looking at a MacBook Air. And it's a business expense. So you're not, and this, if you are this person, please hear my words. If you're trying to find the cheapest laptop, you are already messing up. Like if you're like, <laughs> no, I need the $300 laptop because I'm cheap. Listen, you're starting a business. This is not like being frugal in your personal life. Get something that actually enables you to get stuff done. Noah Kagan has a beautiful, I want to say it was on a either blog post or a podcast, but he had a good point. And the, the point was that this, if your internet is super slow, you can be the world's fastest typer, the, the best productivity person ever existing, and you will still be slow because the foundations of you getting things done from a computer is the internet. So if your internet sucks, you suck. Likewise, if your internet's blazing fast, right? You got like straight fiber, like you're crushing it. But you type one key at a time, you still are slow. So it's these little things that matter, right? So yeah, you can go get a, a cheap laptop, but because it's cheap, it's going to be slow, in which case it's actually hindering you from getting things done. So now something that should have taken you a week to get done takes you a week and a half. Now you have a disadvantage competitively. So you're not looking at what's the cheapest laptop I can get. You're looking at what's the one that makes the most sense per dollar that will enable me to get things done. Like, could I get a bunch done from a MacBook Air? Of course I can. But having a little bit more power is important. And here's my point. The iPads are getting pretty daggum powerful. Like the new 2020, if you look at the specs, they're actually pretty interesting. Now, don't look at it from a lens of an engineer or like a coder because you're going to be like, yeah, this is really. But dude, a terabyte of data or yeah, terabyte SSD. I'm pretty sure they have like an i9 in them now. <laughs> like you're fine. Like you're getting so much stuff done. And I don't know, man, it's, it's this idea of, I think for me, and I, th I think contextually this matters, like from, from my perspective, it's, it's this idea of being flexible and having options and being able to, okay, you want to go jump onto a plane tomorrow, work from a different city for a week. I could do that on an iPad if, if I want to. Right. And so I think where the world in, in terms of like business is going is that right. It's less like I'm just here, right? We, we have global things. I mean, travel is incredibly cheap now, you know, having a global brand is very much within the wheelhouse of a, of a first year startup. And so being able to have this flexibility, and this is why I also mentioned earlier is like when I started the, the Amazon business, I chose to use prep centers so that I was never tied to any one location because I have a warehouse here. I can't travel for two weeks blah, blah, blah. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where I am. And what's even great, because I, I mostly choose to use cloud-based software, I can log on to any computer anywhere and operate the business. That's pretty cool to me. Now, it's a little novel, and that's not for everybody. <laughs> but I bring it up to say it's an option. And it is actually kind of cool. So while you were talking, I pulled up because I am still an engineer and this is, I can't deviate from my thought process. How no dare you? How, how hard you try to convince me otherwise, Dylan. Uh, I, I pulled up the, the Geekbench benchmark scores for both the MacBook Air early 2020 of all of its base configurations and the Perfect. iPad Pro 11 inch most recent generation. So to, to give you a high level summary of what I'm about to read, I'm going to reference the single core score, which is essentially how fast can one task complete. You can't split it up into chunks. Right. You have to start at the beginning and finish at the end. You yep. can't. You know, it's There's no multi-threading. Yeah. Right. The analogy would be splitting it into fourths and giving it to four people to do at the same time. Right. We can't right. do that. So it's the, the human analogy is one person completing one task start to finish. That's what at a very high general level, the single core score represents. So the the low end MacBook Air with the Intel Core i3 is the score is 998. The Core i5 is 1057, 
and the Core i7 is 1096. So then if I transition over to the iPad Pro 11 inch, the single core score is 1113. So what that tells me, at least at a synthetic level, the 11 inch iPad is at par with basic tasks with the 2020 MacBook Air. Right. When it comes to heavier lifting, say you're uh, an artist, right? And you like creating visual things, photographs, drawings, etc. The iPad Air multi-core, multitasking score is roughly double, or not quite double, maybe 80% higher compared to the MacBook Air at the highest tier. So what that tells me even more is that if not now, there will come a time when the iPad is functionally superior, at least at a mechanical level, to the MacBook Air. I, I can't compare it to the MacBook Pro because that's an entirely different line uh, of processors, oh, yeah, of that, hardware. Yeah, right. That's that's going to be a much higher bar that they will eventually cross. That's which this isn't quite a tech podcast, but if somebody wants to email us, I'll I'll ex- I'll explain the details. It's fine. Uh, so Dylan does have a point in that the iPad Air. Oh, not the iPad Air, the iPad Pro, MacBook Air. There is also an iPad Air. Don't let that confuse you at all. Uh, the iPad Pro is functionally very performant for a lot of things that you will do with it. You, As far as how long, is, how long it takes to get things done, it's going to come down to interacting with that particular app and knowing what to hit where to do certain things more than anything else. And to briefly come back to what Dylan was mentioning about the $300 laptop, I will speak from experience in that in a past life or maybe several lives ago, uh, I sold laptops for a living and it was very common, especially around Black Friday. If you're thinking about buying a cheap laptop on Black Friday, don't. You will immediately regret it. If not immediately, then maybe a few weeks later, the $300, $200, $100 laptops that are on sale, they're $100 for a reason it's not just the generosity of the retailer. It seems like a good idea at the start, but I promise you, you will not be happy with your purchase a year later. You'll be finding something else and you'll have spent just as much, if not more money anyways. I know not everyone has more significant chunks of money to spend on such things. I understand that. And if you're really in a pinch, if you really have no other choice, then fine. Just know you need to plan for something more significant down the road. Just add that to whatever goals you have set out that this $299 HP dingus that feels like it's going to fall apart if you pick it up wrong, know that that's not going to be a permanent fixture in your business. It's a temporary measure. That's it. As long as you go in with that mindset, you'll probably be fine. And listen, to get into the, I mean, when I bought this this iPad or this iPad, jeez, so many freaking products uh it's but i bought the macbook pro it is when i'm when i bought the macbook pro i was in school full-time we we didn't even start the business yet and i bought this thing and it was like 1800 bucks yeah it's not cheap but i didn't have to pay 1800 bucks from the start i went through best buy and it was like 50 bucks a month (laughs) i was like done i'll just pay what i can and then i used that as leverage to have a machine to launch a company to then have the the cash flow to pay it off and be like, great, now we're good. And then now, you know, I can go into a $1,100, $1,500 iPad Pro, right? So like there's strategy here, to, certainly, right? Like, yeah, if you have $0 and you're trying to start a business, that's different. But, you know, you'll figure it out. But my point here is, and, I, and I'm glad you brought up the the benchmarks here. The iPad Pro, can can you do heavy processing kind of things on it? Kind of, but not really, right? It's going to be slower, right? It's like, yeah, do you want to edit 4K video on an iPad Pro or a, a, a Mac Pro with a GPU? Obvious, right? It makes so much sense. But listen, if you're sending emails all day, if you're making decisions, if you're in Slack, if you're jumping into Zoom calls and basically tasks like that revolve around you being the business owner, iPad Pro is fine. It can do all that. But if your business is editing video, video, you know, engineering, software kind of stuff, not a good fit, without a doubt. But that's my point, is we're not, 
we're, that's the, that's the next 20%, right? We close that 20% gap where you as a, as a full stack engineer can actually do engineering work without problems on an iPad. We're getting there. Now, is an engineer going to want to do that? Heck no, because, you know, you want a massive 4K curved display, <laughs> like all the things, right? Because <laughs> it's fun, right? Like you're staring at it all day. But here's the thing. Most of us are not that person. Most business owners are not even that technically inclined. Me, me saying like, yeah, I can't do the keyboard maestro stuff on my iPad. By definition, it's telling me that I'm the exception to the rule. Right, because most people I talk to that run businesses, even businesses larger than mine, are not doing macros and keyboard shortcuts. They're just running it. Mm-hmm. And from that perspective, an iPad Pro is completely substantial. I mean, you can now actually, and I see a lot of people do this. Federico, I believe, does this too. You can plug a iPad Pro into an external monitor. So if you want a better, you know, larger monitor, you got it. So I don't know, man. It's just. It, I guess really it's less about just the iPad Pro itself. It's more like, where are we going? Before we started this, you know, I was like, the idea here is that everything is becoming more digitized, right? More digital. It's not that like physical products that you sell are going away. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the operations of your business are more heavily revolving around software. Like I've said this for the past two years, you should be a software company. I don't mean you should be developing software. You should understand the opportunities that you have available to you as a business owner to treat your physical products, your your online retail company as a software company. Because if you can view it from that standpoint, you can make some really interesting design decisions. And by design, I mean operations. Like how do you do certain things, right? Um, what tools do you use that others may not because you're viewing it from the lens of technology and software where everybody else is just saying, oh, I just sell products online. There's a lot of opportunity from that framework of a perspective in making a decision that I think is really understated at the moment. But because of what we've been going through where people you know, have been forced to not be able to work into or work in an office or travel or all these things – I think people are starting to open their eyes and be like, oh, wait, I didn't know I could get X, Y, or Z done in that manner. That's pretty cool. And can we talk about Moore's Law for for, for a second? Most people think technology from a linear standpoint, right? As humans, we're, we're really designed to think linear and local. Linear meaning it's, it's a very clear you know, A to B, right? There is no curve, right? It's a straight line. But technology is exponential. It's on an exponential curve. Therefore, you can say, okay, I can't, engi- I can't do engineering work on an iPad Pro today, maybe in 20 years. That's linear. Instead of thinking, ah, actually, it might be five years. That's a little bit more exponential, right? And so I bring all this episode up to say, that's where we're going. And that's something you as a business owner really need to understand because if you're, if you're so locked into this idea of, of old school tech, I guess you could really say it, right? You run the risk of having a, a competitive disadvantage, right? Because what happens when the, the young 20-year-old who can run in a seven-figure business from an iPad Pro is able to travel full-time from a backpack and make the connections that he needs to outpace you? Or she needs to outpace you while you're like, oh, I got to lug all this around. Like I got more luggage, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, it's, it's flexibility. It's options. It's being able to say, oh, I need to be in London this weekend to make a network connection that's really going to change things. Done. And, and have no slowdown to the business operations. Because if I'm running it from an iPad already, what's the difference of me doing that in London or on a plane than in Florida? That's pretty cool. And I've said that like 15 times. I want to keep saying that's pretty cool because it's interesting. (laughs) But but it's something to really think about and not just from the iPad, right? Again, the iPad is like the example here. Think about all this, this tech from software to hardware. Things are getting cheaper. Things are are enabling you to get more done with less. And if you're unwilling or unable to adapt to that and evolve, so to speak, as a business owner, I think you're really going to have a hard time when this, when these software and hardware 
get to a break-even point that that is really interesting. And I, I can't tell you like here here's the break-even point. Here's what that means. Just conceptually speaking, it's coming. And if you don't get it, it's going to be really difficult for you to compete. That's that is an entirely fair argument. I, I, I definitely, if nothing else, even if I change nothing about my lifestyle after what you've told me, which is probably, honestly, that's how things are going to out. <laughs> because, you know, you and I have different daily sets of operations, exactly. right? So that's, I, there's no one right or wrong answer here. There, There's a lot of what works best for what you're doing. Exactly. Here are the three things to consider. So what what comes to mind immediately here, we're talking about the, the extreme portability factor, which, you know, we can split hairs and think, well, the MacBook Air is portable. Blah. Okay, fine. Whatever. We already covered that. We're moving on. One thing that I think about is I wish, it, this sounds silly because I have a, I have a 2019 MacBook Pro 16-inch, and I think, man, I, sometimes I wish my laptop had cellular. So I think, well, it's not really portable in the strict sense. It is kind of a giant slab of aluminum. You know, I do take it around, but it's, you know, it's it's not ideal. But then I think, well, the, you know, some of the iPads already have that built in, right? So if you're, let's say you're in London, I'm trying to remember the last time I was in London, I don't remember some some shops had decent Wi-Fi, some didn't. Um, so if you're if you're a local, your cellular enabled iPad kick ass dude if you're if you're comfortable roaming in with whatever network you have you you are not limited to being in a particular shop hoping that it has good wi-fi or staying in your hotel lobby or trying to get on to your supplier's wi-fi network to do business right like i can i'm imagining a scenario where you're visiting a supplier and you're holding your ipad in your hand and they're talking and you're you're sitting there taking notes and it's it's cloud syncing trademark as you're writing and there's nothing that you have to think about in that moment because it's all just kind of happening whereas if you had a laptop imagine that scenario the exact same way right if unless you've mastered the one hand hold and type you know where you kind of pedestalize your one of your hands hold it from underneath and you kind of peck at the keyboard with the other one a two thousand dollar machine you're just gonna pedestal (laughs) right right if you've if you've ever done this before you know exactly what i'm talking about and how complicated how kind of butt puckering it is to hold your computer that way especially if you've spent that much money on it trying to type on it hope you don't it doesn't lose its balance it just works it it's seamless right and i think that that's a term that comes to me quite frequently when I'm using it is it's easy. Cause you know, I, I just submitted my last college assignment last night. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Previously I would take my MacBook pro in. I don't want to do that. Like it's, it's, it's just heavy enough for me to not want to do that. And then I started to use the previous iPad that I had, not the pro, just an iPad. It used the original like V one Apple pencil. So I could write with it. I was like, okay, let me try this. Cause I don't like to type notes. I would rather handwrite them because I just remember them better. So I tried that. I enjoyed it. I like being paperless too. Like I don't really, dude, I'm sorry. Like I'm 28 in college. I'm not bringing like binders of things. Like I'm not, you know, I gotta be, I gotta be techie. I have a, I have a moleskin, right? Like these are for like ideas and stuff like that. But if I'm like formally taking notes in like a class, I need it to be organized. So I can use a tool like Good Notes or an app like Good Notes on on the iPad, I can have it all synced up into like what class is it for, you know, all that good stuff. It's great. I can share those with other students, right? I don't have to be like, oh, let me take pictures and send it to you. No, I just export it, airdrop it to them or email it, right? That's seamless to me. Now going and getting the iPad Pro and still continuing to do that, it's just even more interesting. Now, if I, for whatever reason, need to switch over to Chrome to pull something up in class, done. Right. So for me to switch over from analog to digital in that kind of environment doesn't work. Right. Cause it's like, oh, hang on, let me pull out my, my, my MacBook Pro or my phone. Not really appropriate. And I don't want to pull out my iPad or my MacBook Pro, turn it on, boot, all that stuff. Right. No, I'm just going to flip it over on my iPad and be good to go. Or if I need a text in class, right. Like I slide it over. We're good. There's multitasking. So I can be doing a lot at the same time, but the context switching, capabilities is very interesting for 
relative to its portability. I think that's pretty cool too. But it is a good point that, you know, if, if I need some kind of tech to go interact with a customer or a client, I'm probably going to take an iPad Pro. Even if I need to type things, they're like, hey, can you type this out? Yeah, of course. We'll open a Google Doc. We're here. I can, I can ship it off to them super fast. Um, I know I listened to the Automators podcast, and um, one, one of the, the co-hosts there is a lawyer by day. And he does everything from an iPad. <laughs> um, not, not everything like during the day, but whenever he leaves his home office, he's, he's traveling with an iPad Pro. Because he's like, listen, if I need to sign documents, done. If I need to do whatever, we're good here. And he's he uses, you know, obviously it's called automators. So like he uses Siri shortcuts very heavily, right? So it's all these things that it can be if you understand how to use it correctly. And this is why I mentioned earlier is having it set up to make this easy for you. It can be a very streamlined productivity tool, but it does come down to how you use it. And if you can get that value, because yeah, you know, if, if you're a full stack engineer, this conversation is just not for you. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. But if you're a teacher, it does. If you're a business owner who's non-technical, it does. Like, listen, the other literally, um, actually this past weekend. So I, I also have some equity in a, a prep center in Oregon. Well, we're testing new systems internally for operations. And I needed to enable some automation via Zapier. And I wasn't at home doesn't matter. I pulled out my phone, went to zapier.com on my phone, by the way, and was able to interact with it very well, enable automation. I can create them if I need to. So if I can get that done on an iPhone, all the things that I'm typically doing in a day, including some of the more advanced like web automation kind of stuff or creating systems, so to speak, I can get done on an iPad Pro using Chrome. Thinking about what's what would hold me back if I, if I had to transition today, like I just, there wasn't, wasn't given a choice. This is what I'm doing now. Dylan came to my house and forced me. What, what, what would be the hardest thing for me to wrap my, my brain around? And I think at least reflecting in the moment here, I keep coming back to the different paradigms that are traditional desktop computing with a mouse and keyboard and windows and menus, et cetera. And the iPad, where things are a bit more abstracted and you have more workflows more than anything else. You might have some menus here and there, but the menus are meant to be more secondary, kind of supporting devices of their own compared to what you're actually doing. Like if you think about your email, you know, I've I've used Spark in the past. Thankfully, a lot of other email apps have adopted a lot of the same functionalities. So you have, you know, instead of opening your email, your your specific email in a new window, and you're scrolling through it. And then in order to reply, you have to go find find the little menu or the button and click on it. When you're viewing it in on your phone or on your tablet, right, those controls are always immediately available. You don't have to go find them because that's that's the workflow, right? What, what you're seeing in front of you is only exactly what is extremely relevant to what's being displayed. And that's if you're used to a, a system, an operating system that has all of the controls everywhere all of the time, that's going to frustrate you for a little while. You have to, you have to get out of your head that you, you really don't need to be thinking about so much all at once. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some pushback here because if you're, if you're still clicking items and a keyboard shortcut exists, we have a different conversation. I'm terrible with keyboard shortcuts. I'll admit it. Okay. Okay. That, that's fair. That's super fair. Because here's the thing. Spark has a prime example of what you're just talking about. If I need to reply, I honestly, I'm not taking my hands off the keyboard. I don't need to. So I'm going to do command R for reply. If I need to send command enter, that's going to send, Right. If I need to archive, command A, right? Like I know these things. And I think that's that's a part of the context of the point where I'm trying to make here, which is, you know, you I think you do have to be a certain person, right? Like I, I don't think somebody who's very technically uh inefficient or, you know, usually it's technically inclined, I'm gonna say technically declined for a lack of better term here. <laughs> The iPad Pro or the iPad workflows is just not really going to be ideal, right? Because you're you're now actually maybe it does because if if you're already not using your keyboard as effectively as you can, 
if your if your hand is typically on the mouse to get anything done, that's kind of a problem. Now, the new iPads, actually, well, just iPad OS, the new operating system that came out, does support obviously whatever keyboard you want as long as it's got Bluetooth, and it does support mouse. To be frank, I'm not going to connect my mouse to it because I'm so used to not using that. I'm just so used to switching using command tab. Like it's got search that's similar enough to like launching applications with Alfred. So if, if you're really good at using a computer already and you're, you're in an email client and you're not clicking the reply button or the forward button, you're hitting command R or command F switching to an iPad pro is going to be complete breeze because all that still exists. That's what's really cool. So also if I'm in an app, like I'm in spark right now and I hold command down, it's going to pop up with all the keyboard shortcuts specific for that application. So if I don't even know them, I can just hold it and be like, oh yeah, what was that? Oh, okay, cool. Now I know it moving forward. So I can get things done without a mouse. Now, typically working from my, my MacBook Pro uh, in a given day, I rarely use my mouse. Only when I have to. I'm talking like even scrolling on a web page, I'm not touching my mouse. I'm just using the arrow keys. If I need to scroll back to the top, I'm not going to like, you know, swipe super hard on my, my mouse like everybody does. I'm going to do, um, what is it? Um, control up arrow takes you to the top. Want to go to the bottom? Control down arrow. I'm at the bottom of the page now. These little things like, listen, I get I'm the dork <laughs> here, but if you can, and this goes back to my point earlier about like, you know, what Noah Kagan was saying, right? Like if you type super, super slow, none of this matters. Solve that first. Get really fast at typing. But then you start looking at how many times you click your mouse per day. And then you say, okay, well, how, how many seconds or milliseconds does it take me to take my hand off my keyboard, go to my mouse, drag it, do something, and go back? Multiply that by 100, 300, 500, 1,000 times a day. Now you can see how just learning keyboard shortcuts can save you 20 minutes a day. That doesn't seem like a lot, but go do that with 30 other things. Now you're like, mm, I'm getting the same amount of work done in half the amount of time just because you understand how to you know, interact with the machine you're using. So fix that first. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, I will immediately, immediately change that. I promise. I swear. I swear I'll start using the keyboard it's more. It's great. I, Come I, on, I say that and in reality, that's probably not going to happen. Like he's, <laughs> Dylan uses his keyboard for everything. I, I absolutely don't. I'll be the first to admit that I love my mouse. I spend a lot of money on my mouse. I have the Logitech MX Master 3. Um, I will flick my scroll wheel to scroll. You know, you just has, like to hear it like wind up. <laughs> so it has it has kind of a clutch to it. Yeah. Where if it's a if it's a gentle scroll, it'll click through. You know, it's a, sure. a, a limited movement. But then if you flick it, the clutch releases and it just free spins, which is nice. It's more amusing than anything else. Well, that's like the difference between using whatever keyboard you have and a mechanical keyboard, right? Like if you're like, I refuse to use only mechanical keyboards. That's a different conversation because you love the the tactile function of it, right. which totally understand. Like, I'm not really that person because it's super loud and I don't like to push that far down to get a click. But <laughs> like, a, like, a, like a mouse is the same thing, right? Like you enjoy how it feels, how it functions. I think that's more like you as a passionate person about tech. But I'm saying like, let's take that off the table and you're just a business owner. <laughs> you're the average business owner. You probably don't care about the mouse. Yeah. I'm thinking to to come back a little bit to what I was, uh, you know, kind of reflecting on earlier. If I had to start everything over today, if let's say, you know, in this scenario, I don't have any other computing requirements. So I'm eliminating the fact that I need a computer for my day job. I'm, that's that's totally taken out. You know, this is just me as a regular business owner. I have no computing devices. What what am I going to acquire? And I, you know, I'll admit I'm someone who has probably more money to spend on these than than some. So I, I want to take that into consideration a little bit, but I still want to stay true to how how I would look at this. And what what immediately comes to mind is I don't think I would buy another laptop. That's I'm I'm willing to admit, even though I've owned only laptops as my computing devices since 2011. Yeah, that sounds about right. So it's been nine years, roughly. I don't think I would buy one. Given how capable the iPad Pro is, I would likely go with a 12.9-inch iPad Pro and the new keyboard fixture attachment device that came out just 
like the know. floating yeah yeah the the one that came out maybe a week or two ago as we record this april 23rd 2020 um that would be my portable device i would still have a computing a a traditional computing thing because i am a bit more technical in nature with a lot of things that i do so i'm going to need some of that extra horsepower that while maybe technically physically present in the ipad wouldn't be utilized properly and for that i would go with probably a mac mini i don't need a full mac pro i am an apple person so sorry windows is not going to be a consideration here at all i'm not building anything i'm not i'm not rgbing and water cooling sorry that's just <laughs> not not going to happen i I'm an adult. No battle station for you? <laughs> no. No. I'm an adult. I have a yeah, I have a life now. This is not a thing. I'm an adult, okay? I only use <laughs> Apple products. Thank you. <laughs> oh man, that's gonna if if that doesn't that's generate sarcasm, an email. By the way. <laughs> I have opinions about RGB if you couldn't tell. Um I, f- I think the Mac Mini would be good enough to fill in all of the blanks. You know, I don't I don't need the full Mac Pro Tower. Like it starts at six grand. That's Sorry, I'm not I'm not going to get 6 no. grand's worth of value out of it. And the Mac Mini is like $700 to start. 5-600 if you get it refurbished, you know, it still comes with a warranty, right? The 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 threshold there is a lot lower and I could get one full enough for my needs for maybe $1500 and be happy with it. So I look at, you know, the let's say 1000 to 1500 for the iPad Pro plus case thing. Maybe cellular. I don't know. You know, hotspots are still a thing. And Mac Mini, I, you know, that's $3,000. Like, that's about what I paid for my 16-inch MacBook Pro. So here's something to consider. And it's something I've been considering for, I would say, the past, like, six months. And maybe closer to, like, four. Um, So a lot of people that utilize automation end up going with a Mac mini because you, you can treat it almost like a server, right? I can, I can park it somewhere and I can have Hazel be running things on my clouds, cloud files, you know, organizing for me, keep my shirt, like all the cool stuff that I typically run locally on my Mac. I would end up running on, let's say a refurbished four or $500 Mac mini with a terabyte of SSD and maybe an external on there. What, the point of that, that is I can run more automation seamlessly. My laptop does not have to be on for it to be running. It's 24-7. And because I use like Apple TV, all the movies that I have that are local are now there, right? So I can use it that way. Here's what's interesting. You can use a Mac Mini with your 12.9-inch MacBook Pro using Sidecar. So here's an option. You utilize the 12.9 inch screen as your external monitor. So think about this from a switching standpoint. If you just need to get basic stuff done, just use the iPad Pro as is. However, if you need to switch over to using something that has more processing power, you just dongle over basically (laughs) to where now your iPad Pro quote unquote is your Mac mini screen and you're interacting with your Mac mini through the iPad Pro's screen. Now all the things you want to get done that you couldn't necessarily or at least easily get done on the iPad. You can still get it done through the iPad. And a Mac mini is more or less easy to travel with, right? Like you can just unplug the thing. <laughs> like you don't, and that's the cool part, right? Like let's say you do need to travel a bit and you do want to have all the functionality. I mean, they're not light by any stretch of the imagination, but you don't also have to travel with an external monitor, right? And so what I would probably do is have that Mac mini though, like, only like always online, but only um, at my apartment or wherever I live. And then I would have the iPad Pro as my main go-to device, but I could tunnel through it, so to speak. I think that's a very good option. And you don't have to spend the three grand, right? Because what's great is if you're going to be using something like a Mac mini that is, I would say, vastly cheaper, you know, for the functionality you get, you can have a terabyte SSD there, but only get a hundred gigs of, of, you know, local storage on the iPad, which makes it way cheaper. I mean, what's funny is the amount of storage I have on my iPad is the exact same I have on my MacBook Pro. It, it's ridiculous. And I, I don't even use, I would say, I don't even go over half of, of that locally on any device. So for me, that combination would be the ideal in terms of what I'm able to get done if I needed to switch around from something that's more processor heavy, like, okay, I need to edit 4K. I could kind of do that now. 
Sure. And now it's not a problem. Absolutely. And for those knowing if, if anyone is remotely familiar with how expensive uh, upgrade charges are for any Apple device ever, for those who are thinking, but Jonathan, adding more storage to your Mac Mini is a million dollars. And you know what? You're right, because Apple currency is some kind of fictitious hyperinflated currency that <laughs> no one seems to understand. And to that, I, I would argue, get the base storage and buy an external drive. Listen, I, I saw eight terabyte SSD. No, it wasn't SSD. I think it was I think it was old. It was just a regular hard drive. Um, it was mechanical. But still, like that's decent enough for a short period of time until rates come down a little bit lower. But it was like a hundred bucks for eight terabytes. Like most average person is not even going above a single terabyte. So listen, God forbid you had to spend an extra two, three hundred dollars to get like four, five, um, maybe even six terabytes of external SSD and just plug it into the Mac Mini and you're fine. It, it'll absolutely be fine if you if you utilize Thunderbolt three. You you know you get a, a high speed connection to your Mac Mini. It's going to be fine. You don't. I would argue for the vast majority of people in this hypothetical scenario I've created, you don't need all of your storage to be that fast. You know, for you want you want the Mac to boot up fast. And you want it to operate fast. But if let's say you are maybe a creative and you you want your Mac Mini to kind of hold a copy of your work right it's synced with iCloud in this scenario so in the background while you're out doing life right your iCloud account is attached to your Mac mini it's just kind of quietly sucking things down through iCloud drive it's just kind of all appearing there and you don't have to think about it your storage doesn't have to be fast for that to happen if anything iCloud doesn't do anything quickly so having that extra storage speed you basically paid for nothing if the the Mac Mini is an interesting device in that it fills, at least in my opinion, it fills a lot of gaps for regular day stuff that you can't you can't do with an iPad. One hundred percent. If you're not if you're not going to be sitting, if you don't have a reason to sit at a desk for a long period of time, I would say don't bother getting an iMac. A Mac Mini and a basic monitor is fine. And if you want a sidecar with your iPad even better right monitors are cheap if you're not going to be sitting at it very often you don't need to spend a ton of money on it get yourself a basic dell for i don't know 150 bucks or whatever right that is the one thing you don't need to spend a lot of money on for it to function properly right yeah and so from that perspective you know i I know we're talking hardcore about like tech here but to my point earlier this is a part of business. This, these are decisions you need to make that I'm sorry, do matter. Like you can say all day long, Oh, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Eh, it's irrelevant until it is. And I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, but like your business gets to a certain level and it, it becomes very, very relevant. Now, listen, if you're starting a lifestyle business, who cares? But if you're like, Hey, I'm trying to really grow this thing. I'm really trying to push. I'm hustling. Um, you need functionality. You need, you need flexibility, optionality. This is a potential setup that, you know, and I didn't even consider, you know, pairing the iPad Pro with a Mac Mini until we started to talk about it, but now it makes so much sense. Done. Like, I mean, you're good, and that's going to last for such a long period of time and allow you to get so much done. I don't know, man. It's just these are the the nerdy things I think about. Go back to the prep center that you mentioned that you're working with, right? Like the scenario I'm picturing in my head. Let's say you know this is a prep center that has some actual dedicated facility space for that purpose. I I envision the Mac mini sitting out in the warehouse, whatever that looks like with all of the, all the various prep center dinguses attached to it, like your, your label printer and your shipping label printer and your other printers, like you know, prep centers have a million printers, right? Hook up everything to that, that Mac mini kind of becomes a hub of its own and all of the regular work can more or less happen on, on, on iPad. I mean, I'm, I'm, Speaking super high level here, but let's say, you know, you're sitting in ship station, for example, and you're printing off labels, right? You can print to a printer attached to another Mac. If that Mac is set to share that printer, you know, you click the print button and it's just going to show up, right? It's just, it's just going to work. And then you hit the print button on those labels and they're going to come out across the warehouse somewhere. And when you're ready to go do that stuff, it's just going to be there, right? You don't have to go to another computer, launch a thing do the thing and then print out the labels, right? Like you don't, everything can still happen right in front of you more or less. And you have this other device kind of supporting you to fill in those gaps. 
Yeah, I mean, here's here's really what's happening. You know, I, I like cloud software for for this kind of reason. I'm in Florida. The prep center is in Oregon. <laughs> like that's literally across the country. Um, all all the systems because that's kind of where you know my role is 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 developing like internal systems, making sure efficiency you know is is easy and all that good stuff. Airtable and Zapier. That's literally it. Airtable, Zapier, and Slack. And, and we're running like a, a well-oiled, growing, scaling prep organization. I mean, it's ridiculous. But what's cool is like, you know, to your point about the, the Mac Mini, you know, that, that's a good idea. We're actually just doing it from, from literally an older MacBook Pro. And it's on a roller stand with like an, you know, like a, like a power strip attached to it. Like, so we can roll it around, do all that good stuff. But I can make a change in Florida. They refresh and that changes there in Oregon. And again, I can do that from my 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 ipad if i want to right and so that's that's why this stuff matters right everybody's like oh we got to build systems so it's got to be like local i'm like no dude like use off the shelf tools if you just understand how they work you're fine and and you can get so much more done you know we're we're able to to your point about printing okay let's say i am on an ipad and i'm there if i'm in ship station I can get it. I can now airdrop it to that that Mac and say, "Hey, whenever you airdrop something and it contains this keyword because Keyboard Maestro's on there or Hazel's on that computer running, it will just automatically print it for me." So that person who who's running that, you know, cart doesn't have to wait for it to come, pull it up in a file, hit print, go through all that. It just prints when it gets there. And then all they have to do is grab it and stick it. But that time of them opening up the file, open up the directory, hitting, you know, command P, if they even know what command P is, right? Like that, that's where you start to save a ton of time, right? You start mixing these tools and this methodology and this perspective on things. And then you're like, wait, if we want to start a, a physical products company or blah, 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 we can get so much done for so cheap and save so much of our time and therefore money we can do some amazing things. And, you know, all I'm saying is like, let's take that idea a step further. And now you can see how starting and growing a company to seven figures in two years is completely feasible with a couple of people, if not just by yourself. That's, in my opinion, very definitive of a competitive advantage. There's no one right way to this. The The idea that we're trying to convey here in this this really roundabout, probably over detailed way is bringing and bringing a mobile device into your workflow is more about tearing down the the boundaries that a traditional computer kind of creates just because of the way it is. It's more about how can you do more things where it's more convenient rather than in a different way just because you can. Right. That's really what this is about. There's probably a dozen different ways to to pair up computers of different kinds and an iPad and all this. Like we could go on for hours describing all of these alternative combinations of how to do things. But that just the fact that there are so many of those ways to do it when you introduce some of these levels of automation that Dylan so loves so much and a device that's not kind of metaphorically chained to a desk. Let me say it this way. It's getting more done with less. If automation is doing that from a software side, this entire episode is how do you get more done with less from a hardware standpoint? That's, I, you know, because again, it's, I'm not saying go buy an iPad. I'm not saying go buy an iPad Pro. I'm not saying do anything. I, I mentioned earlier, I did it with a $250 Chromebook. I'm not saying do that either by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> but I'm saying... Look at the options, look at the flexibility, and really think through, not just from a device standpoint, not just from a software standpoint, but from all of the standpoints that we could ever imagine, how can I get more done with less? And if you view it from that framework, things get really interesting and you make some very specific design decisions like we did with the Prep Center. Let's say we've convinced our audience that changes are in order. Dylan, you have sold me on this lifestyle. I have no idea where to begin here. I would say start with the software side, obviously, because it's cheaper and you probably already have a device. I'm not saying go sell everything you own and, and like <laughs> live the iPad lifestyle. Not saying that. 
If you already have a device, that's great. Awesome. Keep using it. Just look at, again, how you can get more done with less, right? We talked about keyboard shortcuts. Listen, guys, if, dear God, just learn keyboard shortcuts. Um, that's it's me. just it, <laughs> <laughs> It's everybody, man. It's, it's, it's weird looking. I, I have my, my laptop so dialed in with like Alfred and all these things. When I jump onto another Mac, I'm like, I don't know how to use it. Because I've just got everything dialed in, man. I'm like, I don't want this to take three clicks or three searches. I want to get it done now. Look at those things. Start there. If your device is about to expire, so to speak, and you're like, I've been looking, great. Now let's consider that same framework from the hardware side. Maybe it is an iPad. And listen, play with it first. Don't just make the binary decision, I'm going to go to an iPad and be like, I hate this, Dylan was wrong. It's subjective. It depends on what you're getting done and what you're doing, but you really need to take a pause, consider, look at specs, go play with them. If somebody owns one, be like, hey, can I borrow it for a week? I just want to see if I can get the same things done on that device than another. And again, it doesn't have to be an iPad. It could be you know whatever device, but keep it in mind that all the things you're going to learn from the software side, keyboard shortcuts, all that good stuff is heavily applicable on every device. Okay. So that's the foundations for me. Cause if, if you got keyboard shortcuts down on par on a laptop or on a desktop and you switch to an iPad pro kind of device, same thing, you're good. You're going to be crushing it, but start there, start with just looking at what are my inputs? Cause all you're really doing is interacting with the device, right? This is why weird things like Neuralink exists, like brain computer interfaces, right? Like let's not even have to type because that's faster. Like, Yes, I'm going to get a Neuralink implant in my brain because I'm that weirdo, but most people aren't. So great. If you type slow, learn how to type faster. If your internet sucks, go get better internet. If your computer's slow as hell because it's incredibly old, sorry, go get a new one, right? Look at what is being your bottleneck 24-7 of you getting things done. Because if you can, if you can solve those little by little, you take something that took you 12 hours a day to get done down to eight and you're like, mm, I changed nothing, but I now understand how to you know, work with my computer or my device more easily. If you can get to that point, I'm, I'm literally telling you right now that is, in my opinion, a competitive advantage. Because if I can type out an email and send it before you can get to, hey, Dylan, <laughs> like if I could do that times 10,000, I'm going to beat you. And it's something to keep in mind. For those who maybe are more financially restricted. I would say just stop at the software part of what Dylan said. Yep. Software is a lot cheaper than hardware across the board. And I would argue you're going to get more value out of streamlining your workflow with software than you would trying to eke out that last 10, 15% with a thousand dollar iPad, hell, even a $400 iPad, right? That $400 put into things like Zapier text expander, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to return to you multiples more much quicker than that iPad will. Without a doubt. That iPad or some better replacement device long run will probably benefit you. Absolutely. But if you need, if you need wins now and you're on a limited budget, just stop, stop at the software part. Whatever, whatever Dylan just said, just stop there. Listen, you can have no money and you can learn to type faster you can learn to use keyboard shortcuts, which are built into pretty much every device, <laughs> like Command-C, Command-V. If you're on Windows, I don't know what to tell you because I don't know them because I hate Windows. <laughs> this is clearly like an Apple-sponsored pro- um, podcast. This not episode really. of Welcome um, to Growth is brought to you by <laughs> Apple. No, not really. If only. <laughs> Just if, kidding. If this don't, was don't, don't sue us. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, literally, like those are free. And for most people, that's the biggest hurdle, right? So you just solve that. You spent no money. You just got better that alone. And honestly, like learning to type faster or more quickly, should I more grammatically say, does not take long. You're talking if you can do, if you can practice, so to speak, one hour, 30 minutes a day for a week, you're vastly better than you were previously. And, you know, software like Zapier has a free plan. I believe it's five. Is it five zaps still? It's five. It's five zaps with, I want to say, 75 or a little over 100, you know, run times of those apps. Yeah. So for most people, the free plan is going to be fine for a while. If you if you need to get beyond that, you know, that's that's still good news. And the the paid plan is not an unreasonable amount of money. I don't use it. 20 bucks. There you go. Like, 
if you're buying coffee for yourself every day, you could probably kind of shave that off a bit and pay for your Zapier subscription, you know, and then things like text expander, you know, I think I pay like the equivalent of like $4 a month. If you had to pick like one tool out of all of them, if you could only afford one and keyboard Meister is like under 40 bucks or right around, it, it could do everything Hazel does, which is like file automation. It could do everything just about that text expander can do as well. So if you're like, hey, Dylan, you know, Jonathan, I'm limited on funds, but I do want to start getting to that point. Great. Go spend 40 bucks to get Keyboard Maestro. Learn how to use that very effectively. And I'm telling you right now, that will have the biggest ROI on anything you could spend on at the moment from a software side. The, you know, like I've I've said many times before, I use Text Expander. I use it at work as well. And, you know, there are a lot of things that I have to repeat. And I don't actually remember a lot of the intricate details of it. And I choose not to because I don't think my brain can hold any more things. I, I, I'm hitting the point in my life where I, I, don't, I don't remember all of the, the complicated technical sequences off the top of my head anymore. So I have Text Open Expander diff, just re- close barf diff. it out for me. Those are the, the quick wins that you can get from you know taking that, that 40 bucks. You'll see that 40 bucks come back to you after you've run that command 50 times in the last week and realized, wow, I've saved a lot of time here. Like your time is worth something, whatever actual numerical value you want to put on it's up to you, but it's still worth something. And you still will have something to gain by removing some of this manual effort from your life. Life is pretty damn awesome. It is. It is. For those who followed with us from the beginning, there was an earlier episode where we briefly discussed uh, Dylan's propensity for automating communication with a significant <laughs> other. Dylan takes it to more of an extreme than I do, but I do. His I'm a pioneer. Still stands. You know? I'm, a, I'm a thought leader here. Okay. Um. <laughs> if if my if my wife found out that I I had contracted out communication with her to somebody else, I don't think she'd be a fan. That's how you quickly get stabbed. I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm not I'm not recommending it. I'm just saying I'm a pioneer, all right?